I think that people um, find comfort in the fact that, you know, they can listen to something and be like, wow, that other person is hurting too, so I'm not alone. And I think that's what the draw is, is that people like to know that they're not alone. This is Measured Voices. I'm Walt Huntsman. Ahead, I'll sit down with 21-year-old singer-songwriter Lindsay Autumn. Lindsay and I will talk about her musical beginnings, her move to Idaho, and her ability to tap into that dark place in order to find inspiration. We'll also talk about being compared to other singers, the challenge in writing happy songs, and what it is that makes melancholy songs so universal. That and more, next on Measured Voices. I'm going to start by asking you how you got started. Uh, so I got started, um, ooh, let's see. I first started in a church choir when I was about seven. Um, I sang in the church choir for till I was about eighth grade, and then I moved from California to Idaho. Um, during that time, it was like really, really difficult for me to kind of adjust, and so I kind of turned to music as a form of um, expression and just emotional release. So when I was 13, I wrote my first song. And then, um, after that, I started kind of picking up the guitar at, at 14. So I, I learned guitar a little bit after I started writing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that first song, how did, how, how did the music come together on that then? I started with a, uh, keyboard actually, like okay. a really little funky, cheap keyboard. And I, played around with it for a little bit and then I kind of didn't really feel the connection there for me. So I was like, well, what else can I do with my voice to uh, music? And I saw there was a guitar in the corner. It was my dad's. So I was like, oh, I could play that. (laughs) So that's kind of where I started. So at that point, you weren't musical in the sense of already playing an instrument, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Then. Okay. Well, I actually, uh. that's not true. I started on classical violin when I was okay. young. So I played classical violin through elementary school and then moved on to guitar at 14. Now, I know one of, one of your songs, at least one of your songs that I've heard, has violin in it. Mm-hmm. Do you still play at all? Not very well. <laughs> Not very well, no. Um, the violin that was um, in some of the songs is actually computer um, done through my producer that did my album. So, But did, did or does that past experience with violin still help you or at least give you additional flavors to work with when you're writing? Can you, as you're writing, even though you're writing on guitar, can you still sort of hear or envision those violin or other instrument sounds then? Yeah, definitely. I think violin really helped me um, when it came to music theory. That um, was one of the things that really was hammered into me at a young age with um, the violin lessons. So when I went from violin to guitar, I think that made that transition a little bit easier. And how long have you been uh, performing? Performing? I, well, the church well, choir. I mean, yeah. I, guess, I guess sort of professionally. Professionally, I guess, so. um, since I was about 16. 
Okay. Yeah, I started doing open mics when I was 15-ish, but I, I had my first gigs uh, by myself at 16. Dare we ask how many years that is now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 21 now, okay. so I'm five-ish. Five okay. Yeah. So um, now, where are you based in Boise then, or are you based in Mountain Home? Yeah, I, uh, I'm based in Boise. I um, actually live in Star, Idaho, but I'm more, most okay. active in, in the Boise area. There's not a lot out in out in Star. It's and <laughs> really you, tiny. You, and you mentioned that you relocated here from California. How, mm-hmm. how have you found? Not that you necessarily had a lot of experience of the music scene in California necessarily, but how have you found the music scene in in Boise since you've gotten started? Um, I think my biggest um, way in so far has been open mics. I go to a lot of open mics and connect with people who already have connections to other places, and so. Once I was able to kind of get connections with some owners of businesses and, you know, promoters and stuff, I was able to get some more gigs. But um, it's really been just kind of getting out there and meeting people has been the way I've gotten out there the most. Now, I, I saw, um, I, I don't remember if it was on your Facebook page or perhaps it was on your SoundCloud page, uh-huh. where you describe, or your music at least, is described as indie folk. Mm-hmm. How would you describe indie folk to somebody? <laughs> um, so indie folk, I think that indie, I think I put the indie in there just because it's not well known. It's not signed by like a record company mm-hmm. is kind of what the indie is there for. Um, but really it is folk music. It's, um, inspired by things like Simon and Garfunkel and, um, Gabriel Applin, I don't know if you know who that is, but Not she's a singer her, from but... the from Europe. Okay. But yeah, it's it's just kind of a way of saying it's not something that's well known. It's it's a Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> well uh, instead of maybe trying to explain it, maybe we should uh, just give people a a little a little sample of it. If yeah. you've got a song you'd like to do, maybe you can tell us yeah. about it. Yeah. Um so I'm going to sing the one of the more popular songs off of my most recent album Headlights. It's called Angel. And um, I actually wrote this song um, kind of about a girl who is in a situation where she's in like an abusive household maybe situation and she can't really get herself out of that, but she also has good intentions and she wants to um, be in a different place. And don't believe in God But girl, you're an angel She's an angel With a broken wing She can't fly anymore So she sings La 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 Being an angel's heart The world tells us 
That song, as I was listening to it this time, I had heard, I had listened to it once before. Uh-huh. Uh, it strikes me that that comes a little bit from a wounded, dark spot, dark place. Mm-hmm. How did how did you find? How were you able to take yourself into that dark place to 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 write that song? Um. I have a history of me- of um, medical issues, so uh, one of the things that actually inspired me to start writing was when I struggled with these um, health issues that are chronically ongoing. So um, that song was actually in part inspired by my struggle with all that stuff going on, but um, another thing too is... Um, I think that there's just been some things in my life that have been unfortunate events and I'm not like complaining or anything because it, it helps me to tap into that and, and draw from that to, to write. And I think people relate with that a little bit, but, um, it's just something that has helped me kind of tap into like a darker, more emotional side of, of, of writing when I, um, I'm kind of trying to just get out those emotions of, you know, being sick. <laughs> so, so do you draw a lot then from, uh, your personal experiences when you write then? Yeah, they're, they're very, they're very personal actually. Um, a lot of my songs are like reading my diary. <laughs> it's, it's a very personal thing. So it's actually kind of nerve wracking, especially when I go up there to like, um, 
perform a new song that I've never performed before for people. It's always like, oh, I, I wonder what the reaction is going to be from this because it's like unknown territory because it's it's my personal experiences and thoughts. I, I so. assume, though, that maybe you, you change the, the circumstances or the names to protect the innocent or the guilty, as it yeah. were. <laughs> yeah, I don't ever name names and I don't ever, you know, say exactly who these right. songs are about, but um, I do draw from personal um, experience. Well, they, they they do say, you know, write, write what you know. So Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, which is why most of my songs are about failed relationships somehow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that says, even though I've been married for years. Well, that's something know. we have in common then, I guess. I, I don't mean, know about that. So yeah. talk, talk, about, talk about your songwriting uh, process, if there is, if there is a, a process. I know you, you, you said you wrote your first song when you mm -hmm. were roughly 13. Is that 13? Yeah, okay. approximately. Um, are you a prolific writer? Do you agonize over... A song or? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I take my time with them. Um, I used to write a lot uh, when I was younger. I started writing in journals when I was really little, and I just wrote about my day. So I've always really liked um, writing in general. But um, when it comes to writing a song, typically I'll have um, a hook or an idea pop up in my head, and I'll think, okay, that's that's probably a, a good um, subject, and then I'll write around it. Um, and it could take a few days or it could take several months. It just depends on how the song ends up. So, so you're not afraid to let something sit for a while? Not really, no. I, I like being, I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist sometimes, so I like making it perfect in, in my opinion. Like I'll perfect it until I feel like it's good enough to perform. Okay. So. Now, um, you mentioned a hook. Do you do you write your lyrics first, or do you typically? Typically, yeah. Okay. yeah so typically. we have that in common, and uh, that's how I still write after all these years. Uh, how about revision? Do you do you how much revision in a typical song? Do you do a lot of revision? It depends uh, on the song. <laughs> okay. This it depends on um, really how well the song is coming to me. If I feel like I've written something and I sit on it for a little bit and I don't really care for the way it's sounding after I've sat on it for a while, I'll go back and, and revisit it. Um, I'm trying to stop doing that though, just because I feel like I sit on them too long sometimes and I try to perfect them too much. And I've shown songs to people who are and they're like, wow, that's that's amazing. And I'm like, eh, it's it's okay, you know. <laughs> so I think I need to kind of step away from from that a little bit, not well, too much. But well, we all we all do tend to be our own worst critics. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you ever when you're when you're working on a song and and you're revising a song, do you have or have you had sort of that aha moment where it it's you're working on it and all of a sudden it's like the light goes on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's only been a few songs like that though, where I've sat down and like written super quickly. Um, and that's typically when it happens is like, I'll, I'll just have it down already in my head and it'll just come out and it'll flow out and it'll be great. Um, just some songs I'll come up with an idea that's really good and I know it's, it's decent, but it takes a while for some reason to just get it out. So it just, it really depends on the song. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the album a little bit. Uh, it's called Head, 
headlights. Mm-hmm. Okay. Headlights. And how how did that? I was going to ask how, first how that project came about, but also how how you decided on that title. So it's actually a title of one of the songs. Um, the song was written because I was sitting on my porch, and from where I'm sitting on my porch when I wrote the song, you can see State Street. Um, and so it was kind of evening time, and I could see headlights driving by on the on the on the highway. And that was one of the opening lines of that song was watching the headlights on the highway. So I ended up naming the song Headlights. And then um, when reviewing every song, kind of seeing what I wanted to name the album, um, a lot of people said, Headlights is cool, Headlights is cool. So I went with that. Um, but yeah, that, that was because of the title of that that one track. Did you work with a producer here in town then? Or? Um, he... Uh, his name is Terry Zorick. He isn't a like producer with a studio. He does like a home studio kind of mm-hmm. thing, but he's actually really decent. Um, and I think we work really well together. Um, I think that the home studio that he has set up in his house too is really professional. It's, um, it's nice. So it definitely, it wasn't like a, a studio where it was like, you know, the whole, the whole deal, but it was um, really cool to get together with him and do that. Cause I think it was uh, a really cool experience, learning experience. It was my first album. So did that, did that make <laughs> things feel more relaxed doing the fact that it was yeah. doing it in a, in a I think so. home yeah. studio, even though it was a professional setup? Yeah, I think, I think so. Definitely. Um, I, I have a hard time with like nerves sometimes. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I I think actually most performers do whether they admit it or not because yeah. I, I think most of us at least at some level are introverts. Mm-hmm. So and if and if you're not nervous when you get up on stage, especially if you're doing a song for mm-hmm. the first time, then you're probably not breathing. <laughs> you're probably <laughs> <Yeah>. dead. So <laughs> Definitely. Uh, um let's uh well, let's see where do I wanted to go next. Uh, talk about for you with your style of music. Uh, is there you talked about doing a lot of open mics, but is there is there a kind of venue that you think works best for you as far as mm. the music you play? Wine bars and um, coffee shops seem to be the most attentive listeners. Um, I've also seen really, um, awesome crowds come in for the Sapphire Room because it's a very mm-hmm. quiet listening kind of venue. Um, I don't really go like, I'm not like a hard rock and roll kind of person. Right. Like my music is very soft and melancholy and it has to be kind of in a situation where people listen. Otherwise it just gets drowned out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So bars and stuff, I haven't had much luck with it, at least from people listening very attentively just because people are there to socialize and talk and um i've just seen that wine bars and coffee shops are typically more um have more attentive listeners and it's it's easier to interact with the crowd with those venues too now when you when you perform do you do all originals or do you add in some covers Uh, um right now i mix the two i mix covers and originals together mm -hmm. just so i can fill uh a time slot but are there um I guess what what types of songs or artists do you look for when you're looking for for songs that you want uh, like to, cover you know, songs you mm-hmm, mean for covers um folk artists and 
honestly, I kind of just go for whatever sounds good to me. If I know it's in my vocal range and if I like the lyrics, the lyrics are always really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, if the lyrics are kind of weird or if I don't like them or if they, I feel like they're um, not boring, but they don't apply to what's happening in my life, I have a harder time getting right. into it and tapping into the emotion behind it. And so I try to avoid songs I don't really care for. Um, but yeah, like folk artists like Gabrielle Applin um, and Alison Krauss has been a really big mm-hmm. inspiration for of mine. Um, people like Chris Isaac and Lana Del Rey and those mm-hmm. kind of artists. Well, I was going to ask about songwriting heroes or uh, inspirations, but it sounds like those are mm-hmm. a few of them. Are there, are there others that you've... I know for a certain generation, there was the Indigo Girls uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and um, I'm a big fan of John Gorka, who's another folk artist who's not that well known to a lot of people. But okay. are there people that that you look that, that are that kind of, I don't know, helped you along the way in, in terms of? Yeah. So like I said, Alison Krauss mm-hmm. has been a huge one for me. Um, she my mom had her live album with the union station. She played it all the time. So that's something I listened to growing up. And then Chris Isaac, again, I listened to growing up. Um, Simon and Garfunkel was a big one for me. And Pink Floyd actually (laughs) is a, is a big inspiration of mine. Um, even though they're not exactly folk, but I, I always looked up to them a lot. So and then on the side of, you know, people who are not as well known, there's YouTubers now um, out there. There's a girl, um, Alice Christensen, I think is how you say her last name. Hmm. Um, she's been a big inspiration for me as well. So I draw inspiration from a lot of different areas. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds like. Well, I mean, Pink Floyd, even as you said, they're not, they're they're known as a, as a glam rock band more mm-hmm. than anything, but, or progressive rock, but some of their songs do make a lot of use of acoustic guitar. So yeah. in fact, I was just hearing, uh, listening to one yesterday, Wish You Were Here, I think. Was, yeah. It has a big acoustic mm-hmm. guitar part in it. You mentioned Alison Krauss, and and it's funny that you mentioned her because as I was listening to your songs, I was drawing some parallels oh, okay. between you and Alison Krauss. Do you get that from other people? Have it, has it, Have you had people um, tell you that, that you you sound a bit like yeah uh actually it's kind of funny the most common thing that i always hear is that you sound like jewel i i don't see the connection personally i don't see it (laughs) but um yes i have had people say i sound like allison krauss as well um at least with like my vocal performance not so much the style but my vocals and i know we we, all of us as as singers want to try to to create our own identity as singers but mm-hmm. how 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 did that how how did you take that comparison how I, did that make you feel I take it as an honor I mean I've looked up to her since I was little so I I mean I like to think of myself different as Alice of from Alison Krauss I don't think I'm you know it, super similar but I think I'm similar enough to to have people be like oh kind of sounds like you know so Alison Krauss um but I don't take offense to it I think it's cool that that you know I'd be even worthy of being, you know, put up on that kind of um, comparison. So, well, so that we can let people judge for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you could do a do another song. Okay. So this song is basically about um, 
a relationship that I had where he was always on the fence and he always wanted to go find something better, even though I felt like our relationship was great as it was. He was always wanting to travel, go do other things. He ended up, you know, wanting to, you know, move on and do other things. Um, so this is kind of about his want to travel and do things differently than I, I've always been kind of like, I'm, I'm rooted right here in Idaho. I'm not going anywhere. He's like, I want to go everywhere, you know? So, um, this is, that's where this inspiration for this song came from. As I did 
Now, that one and the, and the first song, and I think you used the term earlier, have a sense of melancholy mm-hmm. to them. Uh, do you, how how challenging do you find it to try to write what, for lack of a better term, would be considered a happy song? Is that is that a challenge? It's very for you? challenging, actually. <laughs> um, I don't know why. It's I've always struggled with writing happy tunes, and I've heard that from other artists too, where they struggle with it too. It's just a little harder, um, and I'm not actually sure why. It I really don't. Um, I don't know, but it's something I've been working on a lot. Uh, but it's it, it doesn't come naturally for some reason. <laughs> I, I find that as well, and I find that most of the happy songs I write are pretty. Bleh. Yeah, it's always like it feels um, sappy and like, eh, well, I could do better. Or almost, or... almost forced in a way. Yeah, I guess, exactly. Okay. Uh, is beyond that is there? I've asked this of a, of a couple people, but I'll ask you as well. Um, do you have a sense too that that melancholy or sad songs? Are, are more universal and the, do they tap, do you think they tap into people? Well, yeah. it's like that REM song, Everybody Hurts, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that everybody is or has been in pain at one point in their life. And it's not saying that not everybody has experienced happiness. Um, but I think that people um, find comfort in the fact that you know, they can listen to something and be like, wow, that other person is hurting too, so I'm not alone. And I think that's what the draw is, is that people like to know that they're not alone. So um, that's one of those things where it's just kind of human nature to want to have solidarity with people and, and know that they're... Sort of a sense of, they get me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, now, you mentioned before that last song that you were rooted here in Idaho. Uh, do you see yourself uh, or would you like to see yourself taking your music elsewhere? What what kind yeah. of goals do you have? Um, when I say rooted in Idaho, I mean like I'd never want to live somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I've really grown to appreciate and enjoy Idaho um, a lot more than I thought I would actually. <laughs> Um, but I do want to travel at least a little bit. I'd like to go down the West Coast. Um, it's one of my uh, goals for the next few years is I'd like to tour the West Coast. Um, I haven't really thought about the East Coast much, but it'd be cool to go over there too. Um, but that's that's a that's a larger trip. So <laughs> I'm I'm wanting to start smaller and. Um, is is there? Some place, some venue that you're familiar with, that you've heard of, that, or maybe somebody else has mentioned, that would be uh, some place that you want to play. And if you played there, you'd say, "Now I've, I've, I've arrived." Or is, I mean, is there is there sort of a dream venue kind of place for you? Um, I'd like to play the Knitting Factory at some point, actually. Because if I can play the Knitting Factory, I think that would be a kind of a way of being like, well, okay, I've I've made it somewhat locally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to become bigger here locally before I try to start, you know, spreading my wings and going other places. Because I think it'd be cool to be 
big here in my hometown before I go, you know, try to no. go other places. But um, yeah, the Knitting Factory would be cool. Um, uh, as far as other venues in other states, I'm not familiar really with um, okay. a whole ton of a. Well, the Knitting Factory would be kind of a nice place to play because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's small, intimate, but not too small, too intimate. So you mm-hmm. could you could kind of get a crowd in, yet Definitely. not be so big that they wouldn't be listening. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, you mentioned that that headlights is is the first album. Is it is it uh, an EP or is it a full? Yeah, I'd say it's an EP. I wouldn't call it a full album. There's only eight tracks on okay. it. Um, typically when I see like a full album, it's like 10 to 15 tracks. So I didn't want to call it a full album. Um, but I mean, I've just been putting it out there as my first debut album and you know, here you go. (laughs) Have have you started, have you started thinking about what's next as far as recording? Yeah, actually, um, I'm hoping to start working on something this winter. Um, it depends on, you know, finances of course because um that's always kind of challenging mm-hmm. <laughs> uh with recording <laughs> yeah. but um if it's possible i would like to try to record something either a, a ep or a full album for this winter um and then next summer hopefully go on tour and promote it if if you weren't doing music mm-hmm. what do you think you'd be doing i used to be a photographer so I've always been very artistic in the sense of when I um, do something, it's always been artistic-based. Horrible at math, so something not math-based, hopefully. But um, I do like uh, photography. It's something I really enjoyed. So I actually was doing that before I started music, and I thought about doing that as a career. And I was doing photography and music at the same time, and then music eventually one <laughs> did did that photography background did that come in handy for the uh, cover yeah mm-hmm. actually um i do all of my own photo shoots by myself <laughs> so <laughs> i have a self timer uh, on my camera so the cover of my album was actually taken by me in my backyard alone i didn't have anyone else's help with that <laughs> i did it by myself so it has actually helped because i've saved money on photography so, so. <laughs> a, a, a true one woman band <laughs> in a way yeah so um yeah that's and that's something that's always been therapeutic too it's always really cool to go out there and just shoot some some shots and see what you come up with it's it's always fun now I know I, on the album you have other instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Ha, do you ever, or have you thought about uh, performing with a band at all? Or I have. I've tried putting a couple bands together a few times. Um, I think right now I do want to go solo just because um, band drama. Every time I try to <laughs> p- put a band together, it seemed to kind of go south in some way but um i am hopeful eventually that i will be able to um get a band together it's just right now i think what works best is just solo for the time being do you think that makes it easier for you in terms of the types of places that you like to play as well Uh yeah in a way um but also it does make it harder to get gigs because people do look for bands i think more than solo artists but um 
I do think that uh, it's it's rewarding in the sense that I am able to get out there and and do it do a lot of things myself and I don't have to um, round up a bunch of people that can be really challenging I've heard to try to schedule with a band especially if people have jobs so <laughs> I, was, I wanted to go back to the songwriting uh, in terms of your vocals I, so I guess actually I'm going back to your vocals there's a, there's a, a quality to them that strikes me as and perhaps and and to some extent the lyrics as well a sense of being older than your years I've in, gotten in that way. before yeah in a way <laughs> where do you think that comes from to be honest I think that comes from um struggling with pain for a long time um and not just emotional pain but physical pain through um my chronic illness that I struggle with it's definitely taught me a lot about um life in the sense that you know it show it's shown me what's what's important um, there's a lot of people out there, you know, doing things and they're, they're trying to get somewhere, but I really just think it's important to be with my family. Um, and, you know, try to make the boat the, the best of every moment because, um, there's been times where I felt like I wasn't going to be there for the next moment. So I think that that's definitely had a part in, in that, what you're talking about, because it's, um, I don't know. Pain, pain can pain can make people grow up fast. I think. <laughs> so, so there's a deep well there to draw from. Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay. Yeah. When you're working music, how uh, typically how much time do you put in on the music? Do you? Oh, uh, it's constant. It's all the time. Um, when I was working uh, a job, like a nine to five job kind of thing. Um, I would even write lyrics while I was working. And I know that sounds bad, but like for, you know, Not employers <laughs> or whatever, but um, I would, I would sit there and, and write lyrics and stuff. So it's all the time. I'm constantly thinking on the, along the lines of, you know, would this make a good song? What can I do for my next thing? What, what do I need to do to, to get my next show? Like I'm very oriented with music. It's, it's always on my mind. So the music is, is pretty much a full time. Yeah. Definitely. I, I do think um, it's kind of hard to make it full time because they don't, a lot of people don't pay for music. I think right. that makes it hard, but um, it's something that I do want to make a career if possible full time. So, so right now it's, it's sort of a full time pursuit, but not a full time living. Ex yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So do you have a sense of, of assuming that things continue? assuming that they're growing, at the pace that they're growing, do you have a sense of how many years you might be at it before you think you'll feel like you can make um, some sort of a living at it? Maybe a couple. I think mm -hmm. if I if I pursue it the way I am right now. Um, in the past, I've had um, part-time, full-time jobs mm -hmm. here and there to supplement you know, my income, which make it a little bit harder to pursue music just because it takes your time away from what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I think that if I pursue it the way I have been recently in the last few months, I think I could make it, uh, make it a thing in a couple of years. Okay. And the current 
album is Headlights uh, available mm-hmm. through right now it's on my website and I'm working on getting it on Spotify and um, the Apple music and all of all that I'm okay. trying to get it up there right now but they could they can buy the tracks through SoundCloud yes. uh, SoundCloud uh, no I don't think so but um, they can get it on my website okay. and they can get it on my Facebook page so we'll get that link website. we'll get that mm-hmm. link up in the in the show notes so with that, maybe we can hear one last song. Yeah. Uh, so this one um, is a song I wrote when I was 15. And it was uh, about my first breakup. Shining it in you 
she sounds so great but darling does she make you thanks to Lindsay Autumn. You'll find links to her website and her other social media pages in the show notes for episode 17 at measured-voices.blogspot.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Measured Voices. Next time out, conversation and music from Lee Penn Sky. Until then, this is Walt Huntsman for Measured Voices. Thanks for listening. <laughs>